Hello and welcome back to Strong Songs, a podcast about music. I am your host, Kirk Hamilton, and I'm so glad that you've joined me to talk about another very strong song. Before we get started, I just wanted to say there's been a really great response to this show so far, and it's I've actually been surprised at how many people have been listening, and that's been really, really cool. Uh, thank you so much, everyone who's emailed and sent in a suggestion or some feedback. I've really appreciated it. I've also learned that one of the coolest things about doing a podcast about good songs is that people will write you emails and send you tweets and they'll just send you their favorite music and so then you get to check out their favorite music which is really cool a lot of the times you know i've heard the stuff that people have sent in but sometimes i haven't and i've been discovering some uh very good bands just because people send them in so thanks everybody who sent something in as always, you can tweet at me at Kirk Hamilton. Uh, that's K I R K Hamilton. Or you can email me at strongsongspodcast at gmail.com. This is a new show and I really want it to grow. I want a million billion people to be listening to it. Um, if you would like to help me make that happen, one of the best things you can do is just leave me a rating on the Apple uh, podcast app. If you have time, you could also write a review, but you know, the rating is very easy. You can just kind of tap however many stars uh, you think this show does deserves, hopefully uh, more stars than less. And uh, yeah, the other way to spread the word is just to actually spread the word. If you know somebody who might like this show, tell them about it. Um, I really think that a lot of people might be into this show, and I'm mostly counting on word of mouth to get it out there. So far, that seemed to be working pretty well. So yeah, if you know anybody who plays an instrument or likes songs, likes music, and might like this show, please do tell them about it. Okay, on to this episode's strong song. This is a very strong one. It has one want. It has one overriding desire. It is not a wish for the future. It is a wish for the past. You know what I wish is I wish there were more musicians today making music as outrageously good as the music Stevie Wonder was making in the 1970s. But that's kind of neither here nor there. At any rate, on this episode, we are going to be talking about Stevie Wonder's I Wish, a fantastic song, really just a great song that I don't know how to even begin to rank Stevie Wonder songs because there are so many good ones. It's certainly one of my favorites for a number of reasons that I will get into on this episode. It's also kind of an interesting incremental evolution in something Stevie was doing in the key of E-flat in the 1970s, which we will also get into a little bit later. First, the vital stats on this track. This was released as a single in 1976 and also included on Songs in the Key of Life, a classic Stevie Wonder album from 1976. It features Stevie Wonder on most of the instruments on this track, actually. He's playing all the keyboards, which is the Rhodes. He's playing the ARP 2600 synthesizer. He is also playing drums, which is always very fun to listen to Stevie play drums. The bass player is Nathan Watts, a longtime Stevie Wonder bass player and a kind of a beast. We'll talk about that. And the horn section features Hank Red, Trevor Lawrence, both of them on sax, Ray Maldonado, and Steve Modeo on trumpet. And that's it. That's the personnel. There's one more person that we'll uh, point out a little bit later. She has a little bit part that's very fun. But other than that, that's pretty much it. So six musicians, mainly a Stevie Wonder joint, this tune. In order to talk about what makes I Wish so great, the best place to start is really at the very beginning with that intro, and then we'll kind of break it down and talk about why that intro sounds as distinct and kind of iconic as it does. So let's listen to just the intro to this song one time on its own. (laughs) 
So what a killer intro for a song and an intro that it's actually kind of hard to pick out everything that's going on and that's kind of what makes it so cool and so interesting. Uh, it takes quite a, quite some time to figure out exactly what's playing even though it's very simple. So let's let's kind of go back and break down what's going on in that intro because it's base it kind of sums up all of the different parts that are playing during this song. So the first thing that you have is just the bass and the keyboard playing a unison line that kind of sounds like this. Now, of course, I am not Nathan Watts. I am a mere saxophone player who learned bass later, but playing the bass line to this song underlines something really fundamental about it that I think is cool and worth pointing out, and that's that this song has a walking bass line. What is a walking bass line? Well, in my understanding, as someone who came up playing a non-bass instrument, a walking bass line is when the bass player is playing all quarter notes instead of playing a more sparse figure. So instead of getting, you know, a kind of a doo-doo, 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 doo-doo kind of a bass line, you get ba-doom-doom-doom-doom-doom-doom-doom-doom-doom. And that's, it's a more of a jazzy thing. It's something that uh, bebop jazz players popularized in the 1930s and 1940s. Everyone was playing a two beat on the bass before that, and that sounds like this. In the 30s and 40s, bebop players, or kind of even proto-bebop players, started playing four beats, and uh, it made this music harder to dance to, but much more intricate and probably much more interesting for the bass player. So instead of playing a two beat, boom, 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 they played something a little bit more like this. So I'm guessing that bass line sounds a little bit familiar, and that's because that's basically the same bass line that Nathan Watts is playing at the beginning of I Wish. So that's not like, it's not like a walking bass line is the least common thing ever in a funk song. It's just not the kind of a bass line that you always hear, and it gives it this specific kind of driving bounce that really works just right off the top. I mean, everything is just playing the same bass line. The keyboards and the bass are playing that bass line right together. So we've got this walking bass line that runs through the entire tune. And then on top of that, uh, after the first phrase, they add in the, uh, the synthesizer playing this awesome little setup line that sounds like this. Oh man, do I love that line so much. I believe that that is the ARP 2600, which is a classic, beloved vintage synth that Stevie Wonder was playing. And uh, he, he recorded this line that runs through the entire song. It's kind of a lead synth line that's very easy to miss. And I think is the thing that when I really sat down to listen to this song before recording this episode, I noticed the most and think is the coolest. It turns up throughout the whole song in a variety of, of different ways, and they're all really neat. But uh, that first line, that initial line is really, uh, really where you hear it for the first time and you hear it most distinctly because the rest of the band hasn't come in yet. So as for what else is going on in this intro, there are some other lines happening on the ARP 2600 that are a little more difficult to pick out. The Rhodes, Fender Rhodes, starts playing some chords when the drums come in. Um, I don't actually get too much into supplementary material on this podcast, or at least I haven't yet, but there is a documentary from 1997 called Classic Albums uh, that focuses on songs in the key of life, and they have a segment on this song that's pretty fun. In particular, there's just a little bit where Stevie sits down and kind of recreates some of the lines that he was playing on the record, and you can hear him picking apart some of what he's playing. I'm actually not sure if the line that he plays in the documentary is the same as the line that he plays at the beginning, but it's sort of a fun clip anyway. So here's just that really brief clip from uh, from that documentary. 
He says on the documentary that they recorded everything monophonically. They recorded one at a time instead of, you know, playing multiple keys on the keyboard at once because they wanted to have more control. And it makes sense when you listen to the full groove with the band and you can hear there are all these little bouncing attacks, basically. The synth has this very like, like this very tight attack. And the bass, uh, Nathan Watts is really digging in on the bass. And it's very kind of grindy. And then the drums Stevie is playing, he's actually kind of on a different groove than everyone else. Uh, I'm not going to get too into it, but he's playing a straight beat when everybody else is playing swing. So if you were playing swing, it would sound kind of like this. He would have that balance, but he's not. He's playing straight. So instead, it sounds like this. So that's just one more point of minor tension and bounce between all these different attacks um, that gives it a, a distinct kind of bouncy, interesting uh, feel to it that uh, that helps the tune stand apart quite a bit just from the moment that the drums come in. So with that in mind, let's listen to that whole intro one more time. So if you're listening there, when he starts singing on the verse, that little synth line keeps going. And like I said before, that synth line actually keeps going through pretty much the whole song. Um, it repeats that line every time on the verse. And then when they get to the pre-chorus, it plays a different thing that I had never heard before. I listened really closely to this. Um, see if you can pick it out. So what's going on there is a descending scale. It's called a melodic minor scale. It's actually very useful in jazz. And you don't I don't hear it a lot in pop music. It really stuck out to me the first time I heard it. I was like, I know that sound. That's a melodic minor scale. Um, it goes down and then it goes back up. It's a cool little line. I'm gonna try to play it for you. This is basically what he's playing. Alright, so now listen back to the to the pre-chorus again and I'm gonna play it a little kind of quietly underneath it to help you hear it a little bit better. That line just totally knocked me out the first time that I noticed it, because um, it had been there the whole time, and I, I didn't realize it was there. Um, so I mentioned earlier that Stevie Wonder has kind of been doing a thing in E-flat throughout the 70s. He had been doing that by the time this album came out in 1976. And I went back to some of my other favorite Stevie tunes and realized that they all have a lot of things in common. They almost feel like he's playing with the same sort of ideas. So to talk about that, just really briefly, we're going to go in the Wayback Machine, back to two of Stevie's other very well-known 1970s albums. Closest to the 1976 release of Songs in the Key of Life, which is what I wish is on, we have 1973's Inner Visions, and before that, 1972's Talking Book. Each one of those three albums has one funky song that's in E-flat that's actually very, very famous now. Each one has an iconic beginning, an iconic intro, an iconic keyboard kind of groove, and each one sort of feels like a different variation on the same theme. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. This is the song from 1972's Talking Book. And you probably know it just based on the very beginning of the song.
Man, talk about your all-time banger intros. This one is another one of those tunes that just starts with a groove and everybody knows what it is before the singer even starts singing. So Superstition, very different song from I Wish in a lot of ways, but also has some similarities. The biggest difference is the bass, like we talked about earlier. The bass is definitely not walking on Superstition. He's kind of just going, wah, wah, wah. And um, also the tune's a little bit slower. And then it's kind of defined by this clav line that sounds a little bit like this. Now let's fast forward one year in the Wave Forward machine, I guess it's called, and we're going to go to 1973 when Intervisions came out, and now listen to the beginning of Higher Ground from that record. So you can hear yet again we are in E-flat, but the groove again is totally different. The bass, which is a Moog bass, you know, really long notes. So the groove is different, we are in the same key, and there are some definite through lines between Superstition recorded the year before this and I Wish, which would be recorded three years later. In Higher Ground, uh, it all comes down to the keyboard part, which is not surprising since Stevie Wonder is a keyboard player, and again he's got this kind of cool uh, funky groove on the keyboard that defines the tune. And on, um, on Higher Ground, it sounds like this. <laughs> So if we view those as a sort of a trifecta of funky E-flat grooves, it's pretty cool, actually. You start with Superstition. And then you go a year later to Higher Ground. And then three years after that, you've got I Wish. Now, for all the ways that those three grooves sound different and similar in different ways, one of the things they really have in common is how it feels to play them. And that's because each of those three keyboard parts is built out of the same five notes. Uh, the coolest thing for working on this episode was actually sitting down at the keyboard and working out all of Stevie Wonder's piano parts, because I could see the many things that they actually have in common. Um, the biggest thing is that since all three of these are in E flat, it means that you get to play the black keys on the piano a lot, a lot more than you play the white keys, which is good for a number of reasons. Now, the black keys on the piano, you know a piano, what a piano looks like. If you're looking at the uh, artwork for this podcast, you can see a piano. Uh, the black keys are the sharps and flats. The white keys are the natural notes. So the black keys are raised up above the white keys, and you can reach them more easily. And if you play just the black keys in the key of E flat, you get a scale that sounds like this. So wouldn't you know it, the black keys on a piano give you the pentatonic scale, it's called the five-note scale, that sounds bluesy and cool in the key of E-flat. So then you have Stevie writing these three really funky tunes with these three really funky keyboard parts that are all in the key of E-flat. And I honestly think that the reason that he did that was because E-flat just feels better to play. You can kind of bang the keys more because they're raised like that, and you can play just in a more percussive way, and he's so percussive on all three of these. So it is unfortunately something that's not very easy to show you on a podcast. It's kind of the one thing that's hard to show about music on a podcast is what it looks like to play these black keys and to play those riffs. But playing them and playing them along with him, I can just feel the way that he feels the piano. And it's very cool and very consistent across all of the songs. It makes me think that the reason that all three of these songs are in E flat is not a coincidence. Okay, so 
We've talked about the groove. We've talked about the keyboard. We've talked about the key of E flat probably too much. It is now time to talk about the other thing that makes this song super great. And that is the other four musicians that I listed at the top of this episode. Let's see what those four guys can do. Yes, the horns, the section that will always be near and dear to my heart, is completely on fire on this recording and adds a whole lot to it. And I think that I Wish is actually a good demonstration of what makes for a really good horn section and a good horn arrangement. And it's really just a few things. You've got to leave room for them. You've got to bump them up in the mix and make it so you can hear them. And you've got to get people who can, you know, play really well and play well together. And this horn section definitely does all of those things. So when I say that there needs to be room, uh, I guess that chorus, looking at the chorus, is kind of of a good place to start. The horns are a response to Stevie's voice. They're not kind of playing pads behind him, and it's their first big entrance, and they just come in, bah! and they just hit that hit together right after he hits a hit that's just like it. They're kind of echoing him. So it's a really, really cool way of doing it, if you listen to that. And then on the second half of the phrase, they actually match and invert him when he sings, I wish those, they play wop, bop, bop. Right here. So having played those horn parts in horn sections in many a cover band over the years, I can tell you that is just, those hits are so fun to do because that's when the crowd goes nuts. And, um, you know, that it just, it lends itself to horn choreography. You can swing your horns around at the beat. Very cool. However, there's a lot of other cool stuff going on in this tune for the horns too. On the verse, they get this cool little response to Stevie as he sings. It sort of fits right into that space in between his voice again, which, as I said before, key for a good horn part. You got to let the horns play their horn part uh, separate from the vocals. They can kind of stand apart so there's this little response that they give to him and then after that for the pre-chorus they get a nice little split part so remember this is saxophones and trumpets they're both playing different things see if you can hear what the saxophones are doing and what the trumpets are doing during the pre-chorus like those parts. Uh, you got the saxophones are playing this. So that's not very exciting on its own, but when you add the trumpet part on top, it sounds a little bit cooler. Listen to the pre-chorus again and see if you can hear that. Now that's all well and good, and getting to play counterpoint to the melody is great, but every horn section really wants a section that's all to their own. And I Wish gives the horn section just that. At the very end of the song comes a whole new melody that's just written for the horns. Everybody probably knows it, and I love it quite a bit. So here is that section for your listening enjoyment. (laughs) 
I love this section. I think every horn player probably loves this section. I, I think it would be hard to find a horn player who doesn't know this cold or hasn't played it a million times. Uh, it's just a great line. It's rhythmically cool and fits in with that whole complicated groove that we've broken down earlier in a neat way. I think it's a little more rhythmically interesting than it sounds because of the way that it, there's kind of three beats to each note. So bib and bab and bib and bab and bib and bab ba. It has this one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. It kind of like stretches the the beat a little bit more than everything else that's kind of locked in behind it. So it fits in in a really cool way. There is actually a nice little isolated take of this in that same documentary that I referenced earlier, the classic albums, that uh, British documentary, where you can hear just the horns playing it and it's pretty cool. So here, check that out. just love the way the saxophones are getting so in there and that like wah wah they're really just scooping into the notes it sounds super good and they've mixed it really well so it sounds great there's also a very fun thing that uh, Stevie Wonder does live with this horn part um, that it, you can hear it actually on Natural Wonder um, Natural Wonder is a well-known Stevie Wonder live album from 1995 and they play a whole bunch of his greatest hits they play this song and check out what they do with the horns first they play the horn part that you just heard kind of normally so it sounds like this Sorry, wait, I have to highlight that. That's like the greatest count into a horn section solely that I've ever heard. Um, I wish that every time the horns in any band ever got to play something, uh, everybody else in the band counted them in that way. Okay, sorry. Anyways, they play the thing, they play the riff normally, and it sounds like this. basically the riff that you know from the record but then they play it another couple times and then they do something clever the whole band drops out and uh, leaves you hanging they then they do it again and then just when you gotten used to that they set you up so they can make it a little bit longer I also think that hand clapping thing is something Stevie does on the original recording. It's just good showmanship, man. They know exactly what they're doing, and just when you think you know... <laughs> what a perfect way to end a song. That must have been a very, very fun band to be in. So we are reaching the end of my thoughts on Stevie Wonder's I Wish. There are, of course, a few small details that I just want to point out because I was like pointing out small details in songs, and there are some really good ones in this. The first one involves the only vocalist on I Wish that isn't Stevie Wonder, and that is Renee Hardaway, who I believe is his sister. And she gets one line on this song, but it's a very famous and well-known line. I bet you know what it is. Uh, here is Renee Hardaway. Gotta respect bringing in your sister to just have one line like that. And it would probably be pretty cool to have just had the, the you know, the, the be the person who said, you nasty boy, in I Wish. I think that would be pretty fun. Um, another thing that I really want to point out is Nathan Watts' bass playing, which I know I've talked quite a bit about, but he does these rips up the neck on this that are just kind of bizarre and really cool um like especially during the horn section at the end you can just hear him doing stuff like this 
<laughs> like, good lord, man. He's just totally tearing it up on the neck. Watts went on to become Stevie Wonder's musical director, and you can see why he was definitely earning his stripes on this tune. Last thing is just one of Stevie's little keyboard riffs that plays right into the, actually that horn sully that you may have caught it earlier, but it's really bonkers, and he just throws it in there at one time. You can tell he was just sitting around, they were playing the thing, and then he just threw in this really, this really fast riff to set up the horns. Uh, so check it out and listen for it right here. What? Listen to that again in the left channel. So a lot of really incredible stuff going on on this track, basically. Before we go, I want to share with you one thing that you may not have heard for quite a while, but it was actually, I believe, the first time that I ever heard this song or became aware of the music behind it, and it was not Stevie Wonder's performance. In fact, it was Will Smith's performance as a tie-in to the 1999 terrible movie Wild Wild West. Listen to this for just a second. I don't even know where to begin with this. They've superimposed what sounds like the baseline from the Humpty Dance over this. There's just so much going on, and it's silly, and it's pretty fun in that way that Will Smith credits raps were fun. And if nothing else, listening to this is a reminder of how good the original is, because the best parts in this Will Smith version are the parts that echo the original Stevie Wonder version, including the chorus, which you can hear right here. You know, it goes to show, I'm not going to be some jerk saying whatever, you can't sample songs or anything like that. The song is really pretty fun. Drew Hill can sing, and honestly, the fundamental song, I wish, is really good. And as a result, this song kind of rules at times, because when they hit that chorus and those Stevie Wonder parts come in, it's still kind of pretty great. So there you go. That will about do it for this episode of Strong Songs. And for my thoughts on Stevie Wonder, I wish the key of E flat, trying to play bass like Nathan Watts, and, uh, you know, Will Smith. So I hope that you liked this episode. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Kirk Hamilton. You can send me an email with feedback, suggestions, or really anything at strongsongspodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends, share this show. If you know anyone who would like it, tell them about it. I'm having a really good time, and I hope that you are too. We will be back in two weeks with another strong song.